El Camino People, The Podcast, Episode 2. Ultrella, fellow pilgrims, and welcome to El Camino People, The Podcast. I am José Mario Ignat, pilgrim, entrepreneur, pamplonica, and camino lover. From today on, we will share Camino news and stories from pilgrims all over the world. Pilgrims die just like you, because Camino stories need to be told. Wanna walk with us? Today we have with us uh, Lorenzo, he's from Australia, and he's one of the pilgrims that I met through, through Instagram, and he was one of the lucky ones that enjoyed a visit with me in Pamplona. So if yes. you want to visit Pamplona with a local, you know, feel free to send me a message and you will be able to, yeah, enjoy Pamplona with and try all the best things that we have over here. So hello, Lorenzo. Good afternoon. Good evening for you. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Good afternoon. Uh, it's actually good evening here, but good afternoon to you. Yeah, it's good to see you again. So you again. Lorenzo walked the, the Camino on March. Uh, we're going to let you tell us a little bit about, you know, how... How was the reason? What was the reason for you to start the Camino? How someone from Sydney, you know, goes all the way around the world to walk one month yep. in Spain? So tell us a little more. Well, um, it actually happened probably more than a year ago, uh, probably even two years ago. I was actually watching a documentary uh, on TV. I was actually sitting with my wife. Uh, and suddenly this documentary appeared out of nowhere on TV. And within probably two minutes, I actually looked at my wife and I said, I want to do that someday. So it was kind of one of those things where, you know, you see it. And I've, from before that documentary, I've never heard about the Camino at all. So it was the very first um, time I actually learned about it or actually saw it uh, on TV because they were interviewing a few pilgrims and that. Um, and yeah, it was one of those things where it's quite instant. You just kind of felt, oh, I have, I have to do that. So it was, for me, it was very almost immediate. I just felt, because uh, they always say the Camino calls you. <laughs> and um, for me, it actually, it was almost instant when I saw it on TV. It was one of those things where you kind of just said instantly, ah, I have to do that um, someday. So and for me, it was like that. How was, I'm like, you're both with your wife watching TV and suddenly you said you want to do, go like a thousand miles and walk the Camino. What did your wife say? I'm like, are you crazy or what are you thinking about? Yeah, it, it, uh, she didn't think it was crazy because uh, like, um, like me, she's Catholic. So she could understand, um, um, she could understand why I wanted to do it. Because um, uh, one of it was obviously for religious, spiritual aspects. So she wasn't... Um, I guess she wasn't uh, surprised about it. Um, in fact, but, you know, many people that I uh, told about it afterwards were a bit surprised. They kind of said, hey, why, why, why do you want to walk, you know, 850 kilometers? I always get these, because um, it took me at least a, a year to before I really went. Um, so, you know, I tell friends or people that I meet, I've, you know, I've met and I usually get this weird look <laughs> that, uh, you know, why do you want to walk 850 kilometers? So I still do actually up to up, up till now when I, when I tell them, 
you know, I've walked 850 kilometers. I still get that look, actually, that weird look on people's faces. <laughs> it is impressive how weird it is, you know, that uh, I, I think the same for to myself. Like, oh, yes, I did close to a thousand kilometers without nothing. It feels and you did it, you know, and it seems like the most normal thing and you probably want to do it again also. So, so you saw this documentary, you talked to your wife and then through the year that you were waiting, what happened? What, how was the planning? How did you plan the, the, your trip? Ah, good. It actually, funny enough, it actually triggered me to, because I knew if I, I was probably about 20 kilos overweight then. So, um, so I knew in my current physical state, I couldn't do it. So I decided at that time to go back to training. So to cut the long story short, I actually lost almost um, 20 kilos. Um, in a to year? Probably about, it was probably more than that, actually. I can't remember the exact date that I decided to do the Camino, but it was at least a year, maybe a year and a half, where I, I lost um, 20 kilos. Because I knew that, well, personally for me, I couldn't, really do it or enjoy doing it if I wasn't physically fit so the first aspect was really trying to um, lose weight and I did a lot of training so I lost about 20 kilos more or less um, before that um, and also the the research part of it I guess is you know just trying to I read a lot of um, blogs there's a lot of them are on YouTube but um, there were two that were really good. So I, I did a lot of research um, and really planned, you know, um, how I was going to do it. Um, funny enough, when you actually do the Camino, you kind of realize you really can't plan as much hmm. because it's kind of a day-to-day thing. So I was foolish enough to actually um, plan my itinerary on a day-to-day basis you know it's kind of saying i'm going to stop day one here day two here but when you actually do it it's not as um straightforward as that it really depends on as you probably know you know your body the people that you work uh the people that you walk with plus you know how you find um that town that you suddenly you know um enter in you know uh because I remember there was one day where I was planning to walk 30 kilometers, but I ended up in this town, which I think was, um, I forgot the name of the town, but it was um, the one with the singing nuns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I don't know the name, but I remember that one like it was yesterday, yeah. Yeah, but it was one of those towns where when you go there, and it was, I remember I went there about lunchtime, so I was originally just planning on a lunch break, but uh, I ended up staying for the day. Because it was one of those things where you just feel, I just have to stay in this town a bit more, you know, and try to explore it. So there's so many, as you, as you know, there's so many aspects to the Camino where, you know, you, the best laid plan sometimes doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't um, you know, um, you, you can only plan one or two days uh, at best, I think, on the Camino. Well, yeah. based on my experience. Yeah, I think the best plan for the Camino is not to plan just... <laughs> to let the flow like a lot of people you know ask all the time like should i be planning for everything should i you know get ready should i book all my my places to sleep and you know once you do the camino you realize that you don't really need to plan yeah. and you can I always plan as yeah. much as you want but how was your like yeah, a lot of people ask about the the training aspect like what should yeah. you do before you go to the camino what kind of training did you do 
to get ready for that uh, walk? Good question. Uh, about a month before, I was walking a minimum of 20K a day. Um, so just trying to really get um, to, I mean, I do like walking, but I, you know, obviously a 20 a day even, you know, is, is quite a lot. But I, I tried to walk at least 20K a day um, in, um, yeah, just two weeks before the Camino, plus in addition to the training that I was already doing. So it's really just trying to get into the routine. Um, so they, you know, there are a lot of, um, websites that say you, you also need to train, um, you know, in, you know, climbing, you know, higher, um, altitudes, but for me, it wasn't really possible. So, so that's why I decided as long as, you know, I could generally get the feel of, you know, walking 20 kilometers a day, at least mm-hmm. I should be okay. So, um, walking in my shoes, the ones that I, cause I, you know, I bought, um hiking shoes so one of the things that i or oh, is said a lot in a lot of the resources that you do is to try to walk in the shoes that you're going to be um um doing so yeah that helped me a lot as well yeah i think that's one of the many important things you know you need to be sure that the the shoes that you're going to be walking no matter what they are if they're running hiking boots you know they need to fit you i read it in a lot of places you know people say oh better hiking boots better running shoes i'm like no it's a one-on-one basics for some people they are great in flip-flops some others you know they will need hiking i even met a german guy that was doing the camino barefoot so you have to find your own your own way as they say and so when you do the camino how do you stop for a month what was the 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 point you know you're in a point in your life that you say you know you think like let's say in 2017 you see this documentary then you plan and then suddenly you go to the Camino. What was the, the reason that made you, you know, go that moment? What were you? Ah, so I originally actually um, planned on doing it in September of um, 2019, this year. So September this year. But uh, I suddenly found myself in February uh, leaving my uh, employer of more than six years. Uh, you know, we had the, they had the big reorg. So I... Yeah, to cut the long story short, I left the company. So, you know, so suddenly I realized, oh, okay. So I'm going to be obviously looking for, for new work. But I th- I felt, ooh, this is a perfect opportunity actually because, um, you know, I'm, um, I'm in between jobs. And, you know, doing the Camino, it's at least 30 days of your life. And not everyone has, you know, mm-hmm. 30 days to spare out of their busy schedule. So I just thought, wow, it's a perfect time. And it just happened. I don't know whether it was fate or, you know, um, uh, that I finally found myself, you know, um, uh, in between jobs. And it wasn't wasn't planned at all. So instead of, you know, um, and it's, it was funny. I, I know I told you this before where I actually had my entire itinerary planned on Booking.com <laughs> in September, so I, I was one of those one of those um, rookie mistakes where I actually planned my whole um, itinerary from day one to thirty-two. So anyway, I decided, no, okay, I'm going to do it earlier. Um, and um, actually, when I when I was going to do it in September, I was actually. I was I was originally planning on doing the Camino. What do you call that? Um, oh, the Norte? A luxury type of Camino. Where, oh, you know, the luxury Camino. I was going to do more of the hotels and um, 
but you know, obviously, because I'm, I'm, I wasn't employed. I mean, between jobs, I said, uh, I promised my wife, no, I'm going to do the albergues and really experience the 100%, you know, Camino pilgrim experience. So I decided, except for the first night in um, St. John mm-hmm. and my last night in, um, in uh, Santiago, Santiago okay. I didn't book any accommodation. So it I really funny. said... Yeah, in my yes. first Camino, I met another guy from the UK. He did his Camino based on booking. So he will put, you know, 22K every day. And whatever is on the 22K radius, he will stop, book on booking. And then that's the way he put his stages. Instead of doing the whole, you know, the whatever 30 days of the Camino. Yeah. It is fun. So, yeah, that's one of the things I want to do a little clock here. And, you know, I want to invite everybody. Now we have a referral program with booking. So if you're going to book your hotel with booking, please use our website and that will help us keep growing. So what was your impression with albergues now that you, you know, you have your mind on hotels and suddenly a lot of people, yeah. you know, they think that it's going to be like, I don't know, living in the third world or something like that. Yeah. What was your experience with albergues? Oh, I loved it, actually. To be honest, the first maybe week, I didn't enjoy it. Because especially the first night in um, Roncesvalles, because it was I did my Camino in the wintertime. Well, it's, it's kind of still wintertime. So yeah. the main Roncesvalles wing was still closed. So I we ended up staying in one of the, the satellite ones, which okay. is a smaller... Yeah. Anyway, it was a very cramped. Um, part of the wing of Frontes Valley. So um, it was my very first night. That's the old actually, Alberga, it was, yeah. It, it was my second night. The first night was um, in oh, um, in Sinjan, but it it was probably not the it was probably not the best one. So I and I was uh, on top of that, I was really jet lagged. So oh. being on, in the room with you know, 40 other people trying to get over jet lag wasn't really the best. So anyway, first week, I wasn't really a, a big fan, to be perfectly honest, mainly because there's just, it was, as you know, it's a very intense kind of environment. Mm-hmm. But honestly, after you get used to it, uh, I actually enjoyed it. Um, I like the, obviously, the camaraderie that happens during the, during the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um so I found myself, um, you know, whilst originally my first week, I kind of preferred the private albergues because they're, you know, you have smaller, less less beds in a room. Mm-hmm. There's a bit more privacy. Um, but eventually I actually ended up preferring the municipal ones, mainly because, you know, there's a bigger sense of family in the municipal. The bigger, the better, I think. Um <laughs> And um, you just get this sense of um, camaraderie and family at the end of the, you know, at the end of your walk. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up enjoying it. Um, so, you know, um, to a certain extent, you don't really care anymore whether you're getting a bunk bed on top or at the bottom or if there's like, you know, 50 people in the same room. Mm-hmm. You kind of just get into that, um, get into that, um kind of sense of community. So, yeah, so I, I think almost my, because I did the Camino four weeks and a half, towards the last two weeks of the, the Camino, if, if I had a choice, I'd end up going to the Municipal Arbegues, which That's, I actually preferred. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. You were talking about jet lag and you coming from Australia. You know, what will the, what kind of tips do you give 
would you give to someone that is coming from Australia, you know, from the U.S.? Because a lot of people said that, you know, once you come, a lot of people plan on, on walking on the first day. What will, now that yeah. you have done it, what would you, you know, a couple of tips you will give these people? Um, a lot of people were saying when I was reading the, the you know, the blogs and etc. is maybe stay an extra day or two in, say, St. John before you do your Camino to, to get over the jet lag. But actually, from my experience, you don't really need to because, you know, from day one, you're going to be walking, what, you know, 20 kilometers a day. By the time you get to, you know, your 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 destination, you're dead tired. And really, after a meal, all you want to do is sleep, really. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I didn't really need, I don't think I needed having a, like a rest day or two before doing the Camino. I think because, you know, as long as you, because you're, you're busy the whole day, you're actually physically, you know, active the whole day. So that kind of helps you. I think get over the jet lag anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but don't get me wrong. I mean, I still ended up, you know, even if I slept at dead tired at 10 p.m., I'd still end up waking at 2 a.m. the following, <laughs> you know, morning. But uh, and a lot of the Asians actually, um, we we almost because we're all in the same time zone. We, we'd normally wake up the same time, which is like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Um, but it's just part of the experience, and then eventually. You know, because you're really physically active the whole day. For me, probably by the time I I was in um, uh, day four, I was almost pretty much adjusted to the to mm -hmm. the jet lag. Oh, sorry, I've already you know overcome the jet lag, which is yeah. good. So yeah, so I, I to be honest, I didn't have any issues. You know, just. Starting the Camino on day one, I think it wasn't. Um, so just it wasn't an it. issue. Yeah, yeah so it was just, just go, with yeah. go with it, and it will go away, and you didn't probably even realize it. Yeah, perfect. So you were saying that you are Catholic, and you know I'm Catholic too. And the other day we have a meeting here in Pamplona to with the church talking about how you know people people from the church or the church itself needs to work with the Camino more here at the beginning to to accompany you know to go with the, the pilgrims and. Because I guess today, now on the Camino, there's a lot of people searching, you know, even if they are not mm. Catholics, even if they are not religious, I think that kind of like of company of someone over there. What was your experience, you know, with the, with the church and being Catholic through the Camino? Do you find it easy to go to church, to mass, to, to have, you know, like confession or someone to talk to? What, what was your... Um, it was a bit mixed, to be perfectly honest, but because um, I went in winter time, mm -hmm. So... When I, because that was one of the, you know, one of the reasons that I did the Camino is for religious purposes, um, because I'm Catholic. But, you know, in wintertime, based on my experience, not all the churches in the towns were open. And not all, uh, even in the bigger towns, um, not all um, uh, churches uh, offered Mass were, were either they weren't open, or even if they were open, they didn't offer any mass. So, in a way, that was that part was a bit disappointing. Mm -hmm. I just felt, you know, it's the Camino de Santiago. You would expect, you know, um, but I don't know whether it it was because it was winter um, that you know not um, probably on average every seven days, you know, I get to experience pilgrim mass maybe two out of seven, mm -hmm. seven days. So definitely not, not 
not every town offered it, which was, to be honest, was quite surprising. Um, I, I would have thought that, um, you know, um, uh, the, the, it would have been something that was, um, um, you know, normal. But I heard, especially during winter time, you, you, you don't get as much of the, the you know, the pilgrim masses um, being offered um, on, on the on the Camino. Um, so, yeah, that was my experience. But, I mean, the ones that did offer it was really special. Like, I remember, you know, uh, first week, Santo Domingo de la Calzada. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, it, it was in, because the, the cathedral was being built, um, but they still offered Mass in the, um, in the chapel. And it was probably one of the most special Masses that I've attended. You know, the priest, I can't remember his name, but he just, you know, he spoke Spanish. I couldn't understand the word he said, but just the way he was delivering it. And, you know, he, he was very passionate about, you know, his sermon and, and all that. It was a very, I, it was one of those probably masses that I still remember to, to today. So, I mean, while there wasn't that many pilgrim masses, at least the masses that I did went to was really special and I really enjoyed it. I just, probably from a Catholic pilgrim, I just, um, I just hope maybe there were a lot more. Okay. So what, what yeah. do you think, you know, the pilgrims that were at the time with you, uh, what kind of pilgrims was people doing mostly for, you know, like uh, religious reasons, for just, you know, searching, what are they doing for sport? Um, look, um, from my experience, probably, you know, out of the 100 pilgrims that I've met, it's pro- only 10 would were probably doing it for religious purposes. The rest were either doing it for, you know, more more broad spiritual purposes, not necessarily a religious mm-hmm. perspective. Um, uh, but there's so many reasons. I, you know, um, some are just doing it for, you know, the physical aspect. I've met people who are doing it um, for uh, just, you know, the touristic aspect of it. Um but you'll be surprised. There's just, you know, the the reasons people doing it, there's just so many. Like, I remember meeting this lady from Switzerland, and, you know, she she's a cancer survivor. And, you know, she said, you know, if she was, if she... You know, one of the... Um, she, ended, she ended up doing it, so... And I remember I, I also met this... Um, um, other lady from South Africa who's a recovering alcoholic and she said, you know, she, she's doing it for, you know, just finding her inner peace and all that. So I guess there's just so many reasons. So w- when you're in the Camino, you, 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 met all these, you meet all these people and um, you realize, you know, people do it for all sorts of reasons. A lot of them very unique. A lot of them, you know, like those two people really touched me when they told me, you know, why they're doing it. Um, and when they share to me why they're doing the Camino, it's very touching sometimes. I, it's quite amazing people. how people open to you when they are doing the Camino. You know, it feels like you've been some things that you will never even talk to, you know, family, friends, or co workers. You talk to the stranger that you're walking five minutes on the day. And I think that's part of, you know, the whole beauty of the Camino, all the, the stories that the people bring with them. And how, you know, at the end, I always believe that those stories is what helps you get to Santiago and create your own. That's true. In fact, I, um, 
Yeah, there's something about the Camino where it's so conducive that you know people are just willing to open up to random strangers. Because <laughs> I remember I was in, um, oh, I can't remember the town anymore, but uh, it was definitely in the Meseta where um, I was just having coffee with two other other pilgrims, uh, one Canadian, one American, and suddenly out of the blue, this Canadian woman joins us, and uh, you know just said, you know, can I join you for coffee? And she actually ended up, you know, um, I won't tell the whole story. It's going to be long. But, she, you know, she ended up talking about, you know, her Camino experience. And essentially, to cut the long story short, you know, she actually did the Camino with her partner at that time. And through the Camino, she realized that um, uh, she... I think ultimately she realized that they weren't, you know, meant for each other and that she's decided to to end that relationship. So I guess there's something about the Camino where you also kind of realize, you know, whether you're, you know, compatible with each other. But I guess I'm digressing from my point, which is, you know, she told this to us within two minutes of meeting us. <laughs> you know, so it was one of those things where, you know, you, you have these random strangers just suddenly opening up to you their innermost feelings. So it's one of, I think it's one of those unique aspects of the Camino where, you know, you just, you know, you find yourself opening up to random strangers. <laughs> it is incredible because at the beginning it feels like something, you know, strange. But as you keep walking, I think, you know, the Camino, we can we can probably name the Camino de Santiago, the, the, the new, you know, psychologist or whatever it is, because at the end, Walking and talking with other people, I think, you know, that's what, what at the end everybody's looking when they, they go to the Camino. You always, you know, you were saying, you know, you feel the call. I, I think that sometimes the Camino really calls you. And no matter what you're expecting, the Camino will deliver what he wants to. Look at this, this lady, you know, look into with your partner that probably you're hoping to be your life partner. And suddenly in the middle of the Camino, they break apart. This is probably one of the few ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I know the opposite stories. You know, people that fell in love in the Camino, even the people that make babies in the Camino. But I haven't heard about, you know, people breaking up in the Camino. But I guess all kind of things can happen. And, you know, talking about relationship, uh, you being married with a daughter, how was being, yeah. you know, a lot of people will, will think, you know, how is breaking apart for a month from your family to take your own, you know, personal time I guess that was probably, you know, a hard decision and trying to keep in touch with them. How was it yeah. there for you? Uh, I think it's really important, especially if you're in a relationship. It's very important, I think, that you have the support of your partner um, because you're going to be gone for at least four weeks. And, you know, if you're um, you know, a normal working person with a family, that's a big It's a big ask. And in fact, I was discussing this also with a few other pilgrims who, you know, were in the similar boat as me, you know, uh, have kids, married. So, you know, going away for, you know, five weeks to walk across northern Spain is a big ask, especially if you have a relationship and a family. So I think it's important you you have the support of, you know, your partner or your family. Fortunately for me, I, I did have that support. Um, and I think it's important that you have that, um, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, embark on, you know, an adventure such as like this, because it's like, it's at least four weeks of your life. <laughs> so it's a big, 
how do I say, it's a big investment in terms of your time and effort. So you really need, I think, the support of your loved ones to do it. How, is that the same for you? Uh, I guess, you know, for me, I was by myself, so I, I didn't have, just have my family, you know, my, like I have to say, you know, I, I wasn't able to go on vacation with it. But now mm-hmm. with my with my MBA, we always talk, you know, about the points that you have on a relationship and how you use your points. Mm-hmm. You know, you can use them to go have beers with your friends. I guess in your case, you use the points for probably a couple of years. So now you are yeah. <laughs> at the fate of your wife and your daughter, whatever they say, they, they have right. So, but I, I see yeah. a lot of people and I guess, you know, when you're in a relationship for that long and, and so deep, I think, you know, you need your own time and probably everyone understands and you will do the same for your wife. So... And that what comes to like now that you have gone, how was your your wife and your daughter? Will they are they interested? Will they love to go one day? I guess you have told them so many stories. They have seen so many pictures. How is to leave the Camino from apart? I'm like we are both. I leave the Camino like you in the Camino, but I don't know how it is to leave it when someone in, you know you love is doing it. Was that easy for them? Was it easy for you to talk to them every day? Or what what kind of you know schedule did you follow? Also with the time difference between uh, you know, Spain Camino, and Australia. Right? Yeah, during the Camino and uh, now after the Camino. Yeah, uh, look, I think with technology these days, it's it's quite easy to um, to keep in touch. Um, I did do, when I did the Camino, I actually did my own diary. I blogged about it. So it was, you know, um, it was quite easy to keep in touch with loved ones. They kind of, um, you know, um, at that time I made the decision to blog about it when I was doing the Camino. So, you know, my, my family, my friends knew exactly what I was doing on a day-to-day basis, which is good. Um, but, you know, now that I've done it, I, you know, I've definitely, I have my next Camino already in my mind. I want to do the Camino del Norte next, actually. Um, I don't know when, probably, maybe not next year, but maybe the year after. Um, I do want to bring, um, my family with me next time. Um, you know, whether, you know, my daughter's only, she's turning 11, so I don't know whether she could actually physically do the whole thing. But, you know, either, you know, they accompany me, they walk, you know, certain days, the other days they, they you know, take the bus or, or whatever. But, you know, it's, uh, I was actually discussing this with, with another friend that um, I did the Camino with. But, you know, it's funny enough, after you do the Camino, when you get back, you're already planning your next one. <laughs> Uh, and it was the same for me. I ended up watching, you know, probably on the plane already. Yeah, I was already, um, you know, watching the YouTube videos on the Camino del Norte. But I mean, if I could have it my way, I'd probably do it with my family next time because it's a great experience. And I've seen, you know, families on the Camino. I've I've mm-hmm. seen like um, when I was on the Camino, I, I I met two an American couple that had. Um, Oh, six kids with them, including a toddler. Walking, um, all of them. Yeah, all of them. They they didn't walk all the way. I think yeah, part yeah. of it, you know, yeah, wow. they'd, um, they'd take the, the taxi or the bus. But, you know, I think doing the Camino with your loved ones is, un, you know, I think would be a great experience. It would be a completely different Camino. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, it if I could have it my way, I'd, probably want to share my next Camino with, you know, with either a family or, or even a friend. I do that. It's, it's, it, you know, something, I think it adds a different dimension to your Camino, um, doing it with, um, 
with with family because I've you know, on my first Camino I, I've met so many people either who were doing it with family or even doing it with kids. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd like to do that one day. Yeah, I seen it. I seen it all. I seen people doing it the Camino with kids and donkeys. People doing the Camino with <laughs> with yeah yeah. Right now, like two weeks ago, there was a, a family doing the Camino with two kids and two donkeys. I seen people doing the Camino <laughs> with the trolley. People doing the Camino biking with kids. People doing the Camino with babies. People. I remember this lady from Korea. She did the Camino with a seven years old. The whole Camino. They walked uh -huh. the whole way. The French one. So, and I think that probably, yeah, you know, the 2021 is the Sacobian year. So that will be an amazing year for us Catholics to walk to Santiago. It's the, the year where they open the gate that gives you the, the, the forgiveness of everything. That's why it's, ah, yeah, so it's going to be a busy year, but, but beautiful indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, nah, we'll be talking for really half an hour. So what would you say, you know, I always ask this to people, you know, there's a lot of people that may be listening to us that hasn't walked the Camino yet and has a lot of questions. You know, what would be the two tips, the two sentences that they will tell them to encourage them or to give that step forward? Uh, well, they always say, you know, the Camino calls you. So, you know, trust your, I guess, instinct. If you feel, you know, if you compelled to do it you know just go for it i mean at the end of the day you know you can do a lot of preparation and I'm, i was the type of person that um just wants to prepare and be prepared for it you know physically mentally but having said that i've met a lot of people who did the camino uh and didn't prepare for it physically as well you know um it was probably a a lot more uncomfortable for for them but still people you know successfully complete the camino even with very minimal training so it you know it just really depends on you know the kind of experience you want to have but at the end of the day you know um my tip is you know if you're compelled to do it just do it um you can do a lot of preparation there's so much resources on the web these days that you can do Um, and I, but I'm the type of person who um, who wants to prepare. I guess for me, you know, do you really need to 100% train for it? Um, probably not. Like I said, I've seen people who weren't as fit and still ended up doing it. But I guess if you train for it, it that your transition will be less painful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's you'll you'll get into that rhythm a lot quicker um whereas i think if you don't train for it you'll eventually get there but it will take you a lot more time like you know maybe two weeks in my case within a week i was really in the groove already um mm. but i think if you're not as physically fit it will take you you know a bit of time to get over it but you know either way you'll eventually get there. <laughs> so. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lorenzo. We wish you the best in your new job and hopefully we'll see you again walking new Caminos. Thank you so much for everything. Have a good night. All right. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to El Camino People, the podcast, with me, your host, José María Ardenal. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, elcaminopeople.com. And please leave us a review on iTunes or iBox. Join us in two weeks for more Camino experience. Thank you. We'll try uh, 